Would you like to hear a story? An extraordinary story. Fascinating story. Astonishing. It is such a good story. It's centered around a Catholic priest, Father Robert O'Keefe. Robert O'Keefe is such a tremendously vibrant character. He is defiant and angry and has this incredible rhetoric. And it's set in Callan in the 19th century. Callan was a lively and interesting place in the 19th century with a rich socio-political life. Now, was it exceptional? Uh, it would be difficult to prove that. I mean, given the same circumstances, it is probable that most Irish towns in the mid-19th century would have broken into the kind of factional strife that affected Callan in the 1870s. What happened was that the actions of Father O'Keefe divided the town and caused the people to fight amongst themselves. It was one of these huge scandalous events in the town's history that wasn't spoken about. As a result, when I was growing up, we knew virtually nothing about it. Little bits of rumours about people that uh, had bad luck attached to them because they kicked the priest's dog or they were on the wrong side and their families died out and this kind of thing. But there's other stories as well. There were stories into the 1980s when a, a business burned down that it was the curse of Father O'Keefe because the, the family that had run the business had been, several generations previously, had been associated with O'Keefe. But Father O'Keefe didn't just cause local consternation. He had an impact across the water, too. Robert O'Keefe got in to see the British Prime Minister. The most powerful man of the most, in the most powerful country on earth is prepared to give up three or four hours of his time to speak to this Irish priest from provincial Ireland who's having a fight with his bishop. And how does it get so that the prime minister cares? And I, I looked into it more. Something like five or six British cabinet meetings were dedicated to it. And you know, that's Brexit level of intensity. You know, the queen is getting letters about it from the prime minister. How do you get from Callan to London? And why do people care? Dr. Colin Barr, senior lecturer in history at the University of Aberdeen, cared enough about the story to write a book about it entitled The European Culture Wars in Ireland, The Callan Schools Affair, 1868-81. to And so he's best placed to introduce us to Father Robert O'Keefe. Father O'Keefe, he comes from Callan. His family were shopkeepers. On his mother's side, the Fennellys were a, quite a well-established clerical family. Two of his first cousins wind up in India and in their bishops of Madras in India. And his sister, Robert O'Keefe's sister, winds up taking over the family shop, which is a grocer's shop as far as I know. So he's a local boy, and he, uh, like many would have done that day, he has a vocation. He first goes to what was called Burroughs Hall, which is the precursor of St. Karen's, and eventually winds up in Maynooth. He studies to be a priest, does really, really well. He's a good student, a bit boastful about his, his quality as a student, but he seems to have been a good student. And he comes back to Kilkenny, and he's one of the early professors at St. Karen's, and he teaches science. And he's incredibly interested in experimentation. He uh, becomes vice president of the college, effectively in charge, associates St. Karen's with what's the University of London, so students here can take a degree. This is all very bold. It's very, very advanced for the time. And this is into the 1840s. And about 1847, 1848, he simply just vanishes from the record. He's demoted from St. Karen's. He's sent out to be a curate way up north in what was then Queen's County. And he just vanishes for 10 years. And nobody quite knows why this happens. And there was speculation that he got into some kind of fight with his bishop. 
This sudden demotion gives us an insight into Father O'Keefe's character. A clerical education at Maynooth, or indeed elsewhere, was intended to weed out individuals who were disinclined to conform. And uh, that, of course, didn't always work. And O'Keefe is a very good example of, uh, you know, one that got away. That O'Keefe was not averse to disruptive conflict with authority is suggested earlier in his career by the sudden end to his spell as lecturer and vice president in St. Kieran's College. He'd been there for more than 10 years, and then he was quite suddenly appointed as priest of Ballyuskill. And uh, clearly he had caused some serious offence. Clearly he had taken on the bishop or offended the bishop in some way, not that had defied him in some way. That's the most obvious explanation for him being demoted in this way. But of course, we don't know the details. Vincent Comerford there, former professor of modern history at NUI Maynooth, and incidentally, the man who encouraged Colin Barr to write his book. Father O'Keefe's bishop was Dr Edward Walsh, who served as Bishop of Ossery between 1846 and 1872. Bishop Walsh plays a central role in the early part of this story, and now, 150 years later, it's difficult to find much information about him. Joe Kennedy is an historian with Callan Heritage Society. I do know that he came from Moon Coin and that his predecessor was uh, Bishop Kinsella. And Bishop Kinsella was very forward-looking, I suppose is the word. He was more oriented towards the older Irish version of the Catholic Church rather than the new one that was coming in, which was dictated by Rome to kind of standardise Catholicism all over the, the world, really. And Dr. Welsh, then, when he came on, he was very much the opposite to Dr. Kinsella. He was closely aligned to Cardinal Cullen in Dublin and to Rome. He, he was very much against the older concept of Irish Catholicism. The old-style Irish Catholic structure that Father O'Keefe struggled to relinquish had the parish priest as the main man, beyond reproach from bishop or parishioners. In the Ireland of the 19th century, the, the parish priest was an independent king of his own kingdom. He was, in fact, the figure of sole authority in the parish. And the church was trying to get rid of this. And this is one reason, I think, why you had the split in, in the town itself. It meant a complete kind of change in the attitude to the priest. It was to make the priest subservient to Rome and the papacy uh, through the bishops, creating this hierarchy which didn't exist to the same extent before this. And it had an enormous influence upon the way in which the Catholic Church developed in my lifetime. Callanborn author and playwright there, Thomas Kilroy, who wrote a novel inspired by the affair called The Big Chapel, the second novel based around the story. Francis McManus, who was a very fine writer, Kilkenny man, wrote a novel called The Greatest of These, which is very loosely derived from the O'Keefe case. And it's a novel, really, which is centred on the role of the bishop and a fictional portrait of this bishop trying to deal with this difficult priest. 
In reality, it appears that it was two difficult men having a personality clash. It's very hard to see if Walsh and O'Keefe did have a fight. O'Keefe's getting sent away happens about a year or two years after Walsh becomes bishop. There's no evidence of an argument. Many years later, when O'Keefe and Walsh are fighting, and Walsh is by that stage unwell, there's some difficulties with his memory, he's not really in control of himself, says that I had to take you away when you had care of nuns before. O'Keefe had been a chaplain to the presentation convent in Kilkenny. But there's no evidence for what happened. O'Keefe said he had no idea about that. There's no contemporary records of it. There's no folk memory among the nuns that he'd done something or said something. So it seems we just simply have to say we don't know. He made somebody mad and he got sent into the most isolated curacy that could be found for 10 years. And he works his way back. Either he's done enough penance or he's had enough parochial experience or whatever it was. And he first gets a parish uh, in the north of the county. And then Callan becomes vacant. And Callan's a prize. It's a big town. It's his own own hometown. Um, oftentimes bishops are wary about sending parish priests to their own communities because of things like your sister might run the grocery store. Uh, there's all kinds of issues involved. And Callan is dangerous anyway because it's where the Tenant League had started. There's lots of Fenian activity. This is a really high-profile parish. So whatever he might have done back in the 1840s that sent him away, he's been forgiven. Once he arrives in Callan, he sets about pursuing his interests in education. Immediately he set about upping the education system in the town. He was very much of the belief that everyone should be educated and that freedom from poverty and from everything else would come about as a result of education. And it shouldn't be confined to anybody. It should be available for girls as well as boys as well, he he felt. And he was instrumental in getting the um, Christian brothers to come to Callan and set up a school there. Then he set up what was called the Academy. It was uh, attached to an institute in Kensington in England and it taught science and agricultural science and it taught astronomy and those kind of things. Very, very advanced for its time and Latin and Greek and French. On Greenview Terrace in Callan, where we lived, just at the end of the terrace of houses, you had the vocational school, and it was called the Academy. And this is a residue of the Father O'Keefe legacy in in Callan, the notion that you'd have an Academy in Callan. But a lot of the feelings about education and the value of education, the importance of education, and that education should be available to everyone, is very Irish. Mm. I was thinking about this recently, watching the London production of Brian Friel's wonderful play, Translations, and the Hedge School in that play uh, would be an example of what I'm talking about. But my mother and father, who both left school after national school and never went any further, they had a passion for education to the extent that they were insistent on all of us getting an education, which I suppose they were denied in their lives. But they had this kind of almost traditional passion for education and for learning, and that this was the gate of freedom. But what's really special about O'Keefe's attitude to education is he how ambitious he is for where he is. 
And that's not a way of saying anything about Callan, but it's not a town in the early 1860s you would expect to see essentially university preparation level schooling. Uh, and O'Keefe is trying to bring in high level urban classical education that is essentially meant to prepare people for a university. That would be unprecedented in a market town like Callan at that time. So his, his level of ambition is uh, astonishing. And then he also wants a school for girls. And again, very academic. Schools for girls in that era, if they were going to be of any quality, would be run by nuns. He needs nuns and he can't find them. This is not unusual. We shouldn't read into that. There's an enormous global market for qualified nuns who can teach. And the reason why is because they're cheap. So it's the way you can actually establish a school, and it can be a very high-quality school, with very, very little money. But supply did not meet demand. Mm -hmm. So people are going all over the world trying to find these women so they can pick and choose. What he does do is he finds a group uh, in the south of France called the Religious of the Sacred Heart of Mary, who had been founded in the late 1840s to look after prostitutes. And in, in the way that the Catholic Church at that time is so global, there's something like 12 or 13 Irish women and the community is starting to, to look to expand into Ireland. They're still in Northern Ireland. And they seem to have settled on Kilkenny because one of the first women in France happened to come from here. And O'Keefe writes to them. They say, yes, we'd like to come to Ireland. Their bishop was worried about the health of the Irish sisters. And this is probably the only time the Irish climate has been thought to be uh, better for the health of people than the south of France. But this was for their health. Um, times change. And they are very keen on this idea. From surviving correspondence, it is apparent that Father O'Keefe is delighted to have found these nuns and is immediately anxious to proceed with his school plans. I plan to visit Béziers and spend some days arranging matters with you and the religious. In Kilkenny, I have been chaplain to a large community of nuns and had the management of their temporal affairs so that I can be of great use to your religious. I calculate on having pupils sent us from England by having a good staff of well-qualified religious in the establishment. The negotiations start. He says, I have a building. They say, that's great. Will you pay for repairs? He says, well, I can't. How much can you contribute? And there's a lot of negotiations. So he's, he's got them. It was wonderful to meet you in Bézier. And I right now pleased to have secured Callan Lodge as a facility for both the school and the sisters' residence. I have prevailed upon the owner, a Mr. Smith, resident in Paris, to repay the nuns the expenses they may undergo in putting the premises into a suitable state of repair. All that remains is receipt of the promised remittance from you before work can begin. And he just needs to get the permission of his bishop. Whatever view one takes of Robert O'Keefe's attitudes and actions, it cannot be denied that he was a man brimming with ideas, ideas for the advancement of educational opportunity for men and indeed even uh, to some extent for women. Both at St. Kieran's and in Callan, he showed that he had the vision, as I say, to think outside the box. However, he lacked the political astuteness to go with this. But then, given the time in which he lived and the organisational situation in which he found himself, it was going to be very difficult to achieve any of his aims. 
um, but the first requirement would have been, you know, to keep in with the powers that were there, especially to keep in with this bishop. That's a problem. <laughs> Despite all his preparatory work, Bishop Walsh is set to refuse Father O'Keefe the permission he needs to bring the nuns from France. And the full story of why, I don't think we'll ever know. Partly because Walsh is genuinely mentally ill at this stage. It's not clear that he is able to articulate a coherent set of reasons, and O'Keefe reacts to that. He very much feels that he's committed himself, he's um, spent some of their money, he's made lots of promises to these women, and he's told no. The stated reason, which has some truth, is that Walsh was worried that Callan wasn't big enough to support them. Because the way it worked is if nuns came from a different diocese, the two bishops, the sending bishop and the receiving bishop, the receiving bishop had to promise that he would look after them, even if their venture failed. So he's taking on a financial risk. And essentially what he's saying is, I don't trust you, Father O'Keefe that there's enough of a market in Callan for high-quality female education. And if there's not, I'm going to be stuck with these women. And you didn't ask my permission first. O'Keefe basically comes in with, you know, your lordship, I've done all these wonderful things. Here's a list of everything. Please sign here. And Walsh, who's not well, essentially says, what is this? I didn't agree to any of this. How am I going to pay for it? How can you be sure this will work? Uh, No. He just says, no. And O'Keefe doesn't accept that. He thought everything was in order. He had been two years in Callan at this stage and he had the, the school for the boys up and running and he had the uh, academy up and running uh, and he thought everything was, he had the green light, so to speak. So anyway, at a, a meeting inside in Kilkenny in Kieran's College, he more or less was chatting with, with Bishop Walsh to the effect that everything was, he was probably boasting about it even then. Which he was entitled to, that everything was going really well with the education in the town and that the nuns were ready to come. And all he needed was a letter from uh, the Bishop of Austria to the Bishop in south of France for to le- release the nuns to come to teach. He had the, uh, the building all ready. And uh, Bishop Welsh more or less said to him that he hadn't given them permission to bring any nuns to Callan. So they, they seemingly had words and it got a bit out of hand and uh, it ended up in a row between them. A huge row ensues between the two men, with the bishop losing his head altogether and making slanderous allegations against O'Keefe. We have different testimonies. We have O'Keefe's testimony later. This is what Walsh said to me. There is some third-party evidence. Some of this is a bit unsure. Walsh says, the last time you had charge of nuns, I had to remove you, alluding to the 1840s. Again, we don't know what really happened, if anything. He also makes allusions to his commercial dealings in the town. That's much better attested. Uh, It does seem that he deliberately tried to steer business to his sister. It does seem that in some ways he was acting on her behalf. That's not entirely unusual for an Irish parish priest in that time. And it's one of the reasons why the bishops didn't want them sent back to their own town, because you'd get that. But whatever happened is this this argument, these accusations were made where others could hear them. And O'Keefe said, well, that's a slander. You have brought my character into disrepute. I don't think he meant the nuns precisely. It was the more the allegations of being a shopkeeper. And this is the first, it's a threat, but it's the first threat to go to law. 
is, you know, you've, you've said this about me, that's outrageous. If you don't take it back, I'm going to take this to court. And that's a big shock. And you say, Walsh backs off. Mm. He pays him off. Normally, normally, this has happened other places in Ireland at the time. There's a rule in the church that you can't, one ecclesiastic, one priest can't sue another one in the civil courts. You're supposed to go to canon courts, canon law. But this happens and usually things are smoothed out. Almost certainly that's what Walsh intended or the people around Walsh intended. Who's taking the decisions is very uncertain. Uh, And it's fine. But O'Keefe's curates either don't get the memo or they get a different set of instructions and they start condemning him too. It turns out that Father O'Keefe's curates don't support him. They support the bishop. And they make remarks at Mass that upset O'Keefe, which gives him cause to write a letter of complaint to Bishop Walsh. The curates announced to the congregation that I had, in the two particulars referred to, stated a falsehood from the altar and that they were directed by you to make the announcement. Because of this, I am once more compelled to go to the courts. I am still the moderate and reasonable man that I was then and always, and I am prepared to make the same sacrifice again, on condition that the curates Father Walsh and Neary are removed from Callan. It's an astonishing insubordination, which is how O'Keefe sees it. The curate doesn't say that about the parish priest. The curate works for the parish priest. Uh, most parish priests perceive them to be in the same relationship to the parish priest as the priest is to the bishop. That is, the parish priest is the boss. O'Keefe is enraged. One thing we don't really understand, and one thing that, that um, there was a local historian in Callan um, called Patrick Hogan, who himself was a blow-in, as he described himself, he ran the, one of the pubs. And he dug into this a lot. So we rely very, very heavily on, on Hogan's interpretations here. But it seems that there's already some kind of a, a, a factional split developing in the town. Possibly over politics. Callan is very political. Tenant League. O'Keefe had actually been very aggressive towards the Fenians. You know, later, uh, his support often comes from people associated with the Fenians, but that comes later. He'd been very aggressive. He had actually done Walsh's bidding in attacking the Fenians and going out of his way to do so. so. There's tensions around that. There's tensions around business. There may simply be tensions uh, between prominent families and people associated with them. Callan itself, for those who know the town, is quite spatially divided. Uh, it would lend itself to this sort of arrangement. So exactly whether this curate's rebellion, whether that sets everything off, or whether it's simply bringing to the surface things that were, were festering, possibly for many, many years. I don't think we'll ever know. Hogan himself, I think, got as close as, as we can uh, as historians. It was a, it's, a, it's a real tribute, I think, to him, and I should make that, uh, as he did an absolutely fantastic job. Against this antagonistic background, Father O'Keefe continues to progress with his plans while being economical with the full truth of his situation when communicating with the nuns. I write to inform you that I showed my bishop a French draft of the necessary authorizations required for your establishment in Callan. However, Dr. Walsh has been quite puzzled by it because he is very illiterate. And owing to this and his great age, which is now impeding his faculties, he has become very difficult to manage. I am tempted to ask Rome for instructions only to ensure 
that all may be done in a proper manner. And at this point, Walsh has told him, no, never, ever go away. Um, and he's, I think O'Keefe's pride got involved in that he'd promised these women various things. He had every intention of fulfilling them. I think in that sense, he was honest. But when he couldn't, he didn't have the capacity personally to say, look, I'm sorry, the bishop's a jerk. He's not going to let us do this. Um, I'm, it's going to take me a little bit of time to recoup your money, but I'll try and get it back. He couldn't do that. It's this dogged and self-righteous personality trait in the priest that adds energy to his confrontational engagement with others. In Tom Kilroy's book, The Big Chapel, the priest, called Father Lanigan, is wonderfully portrayed. Father Lanigan, yes, it's not O'Keefe, but obviously it's a character that has been imagined as a result of the O'Keefe case. In a sense, uh, Father Lanigan in the novel a lot of his problem has to do with not taking personal responsibility, kind of blaming the system or blame, blaming the authorities, blaming the situation that he finds himself in, rather than seeking to kind of do something about it. On the other hand, he, he does do something about it. He actually acts on the question of the schools, and um, he also very proudly carries on his life as a priest outside the official Catholic Church. He also has this innocence and almost childlike in the way he holds on to cherished ideas and feelings. And this innocence, of course, makes him very vulnerable and particularly vulnerable in the law cases that he took. And um, I don't see any kind of evidence in the Callan story for any of this, but uh, it comes out of my attempt to give a, a rich dimension of characterization to, to the priest that in some ways that he remains mysterious to the, to the very end. A lot of the older people were very... Uh iffy about the book but having read it myself and having read it again only recently a lot of the things Tom had in it was very accurate and very close to the to what happened even though it was a work of fiction Meanwhile with the surety of the virtuous one Father O'Keefe goes over the head of his bishop and approaches the Cardinal of Ireland Paul Cullen to intercede on his behalf writing him a flattering letter that included the gossip on Bishop Walsh. I hope you don't mind if I claim the honour of addressing you as an acquaintance. We met 25 years ago at a dinner hosted by Bishop Kinchela of Ossory. At the time, I recall Bishop Kinchela saying to me, Did you notice Dr Cullen yesterday? What a humble man he is. I tell you, sir, he is a clever man. Also present at that dinner was a certain parish priest who, on hearing the news of the death of Bishop Kinchler, not only failed to fall on his knees in prayer, but instead walked deliberately across the room to his youngest curate and said, He is gone now. He was a bad man and a worst Christian. Now, my Lord Cardinal, be not astonished that this same parish priest had been charged with slander in the year of grace 1869. 
Let me also inform you that when I was Walsh's vicar for rain, my instructions were to grant no dispensation, even in a single publication of bands, unless the pound note was forthcoming. For the present, I don't intend to make these charges public, but this is affecting the great object I have in view, which is to establish in Callan Lodge, where I have expended £600 of their money, a community of holy Irish women, now living in the convent of the Sacred Heart of Mary at Bézier. So just who is this Cardinal Paul Cullen that Father O'Keefe appeals to for help? Cardinal Cullen is one of the most interesting figures in, in Irish history. He's badly neglected. He's probably the most important Irish figure in the generation between Daniel O'Connell and Charles Stuart Parnell, which is about 30 years, the mid-Victorian generation. And he, he straddles Irish politics, Irish society. He dominates the Irish church. Born in the early 1800s, he is educated first in Carlow, Carlow College. He was going to be a priest for the Diocese of Kildare and Lachlan. He was at one time uh, being lined up to be the bishop there, although he didn't, he didn't want to be and didn't. But he goes to Rome as a young man in 1820, and he stays in Rome for the next 30 years, and he becomes very, very Italian. He speaks fluent Italian. He becomes very influential within the Vatican, and he'll use that influence in later life to dominate the Irish church, to dominate the Catholic church in much of the English-speaking world. So he's this incredibly powerful figure. In 1866, he's Archbishop of Dublin since 1852, but in 1866, he becomes Ireland's first ever cardinal. So it's a big deal. He's the leading figure in the Irish church, but he has no responsibility for this diocese. Ossery has its own bishop. He is merely the archbishop and the the cardinal in Dublin, but O'Keefe appeals to him, which again is very O'Keefe. This is a man with a tremendous degree of arrogance and a willingness to approach power. And he shows that from a, from a very young age. And Cullen looks at this and essentially says, uh, let's just try and avoid scandal. I think you ought to put yourself into the hands of your bishop to submit to him and to endeavour to obtain absolution from any censures that may have been contracted. A proper submission will save you much trouble and anxiety of mind and will tend to bring things to a happy issue. And O'Keefe interprets that as, I'll get to bring the nuns. Uh, Cullen's entire idea of a happy issue is that there's nothing in the newspaper and the priest obeys his bishop. So Cullen simply involves himself long enough to try and make peace. But O'Keefe thinks he's done a deal. With this in mind, he dutifully writes a letter of apology to Bishop Walsh. An eminent ecclesiastic for whose opinion I entertain the highest respect thinks it would be proper for me to make your lordship a formal profession of my submission to you as my bishop. I promise to exhibit to your lordship on all occasions the reverence and obedience which I owe to you by the promises of my ordination. I regret any annoyance I may have caused you and desire to make the fullest and most ample apology for having commenced this proceeding and to express my determination in future to abide by anything you may decide in the discharge of your duty. And in that sense, O'Keefe is essentially promising to be good. He is apparently accepting the bishop's authority. He is implicitly acknowledging that the bishop has the right not to bring the nuns, or not to permit him to bring the nuns. But he thinks it's a quid pro quo. 
he thinks Cullen has put his finger on the scale. And once he's done this, perhaps after a decent interval, the nuns will be allowed to come because to O'Keefe, it's self-evident that they should. He sees no reasonable or rational explanation why they should not. This mindset is evident in a letter he wrote to them subsequent to his letter of apology to Walsh. Dr. Walsh has no right whatever to make any objection to the coming of your community to Callan. And I think you all know me well enough to feel quite satisfied that I am not the man to allow him to treat either you or myself with injustice. If it proves necessary, I will appeal to Rome and of course I will succeed there. Marriages are made in heaven and I firmly believe that the holy contract between Bézier and Callan has the seal of that place of bliss impressed upon it. In another letter, he writes of his plans to appeal to Rome. Even the Cardinal has not been able to move Dr. Walsh. I have decided to appeal to Rome, and I am quite sure I shall have no difficulty in obtaining all I want from Cardinal Barnabo, the Prefect of Proganda. I hope to go there in person and expect to bring home a doctor's hat from Rome, and I am sure to return in flying colours. At the moment, I am busy preparing lectures on popular science for what I anticipate will be a large audience of English-speaking bishops and priests. I hope to get to use the apparatus in Roman colleges to illustrate the lectures on the electric telegraph and to manufacture the gases hydrogen, oxygen, carbonic acid, etc. This is madness. He writes to Rome. He writes to the cardinal uh, in Rome who's in charge of uh, affairs in Ireland, who's Cullen's essentially only friend, one of his two friends on earth. And O'Keefe is expecting a response saying, yes, of course you can have your nuns. This is outrageous that you haven't. He gets nothing of the kind. He gets a letter being told to obey his bishop and a copy of a recent circular explaining why it's uh, illicit for priests to sue other priests in the courts. That's all he gets back from Rome which is basically you know, not a doctorate, not an invitation to give scientific lectures. It's a brush off. I consulted Cardinal Cullen on your case and discovered that you dared to cite your bishop before a lay tribunal, causing him great loss. And from a paper now before me, written and signed by you, it is apparent that you acknowledge the gravity of your error. Why then do you contradict yourself by seeking permission to come to Rome to accuse again the Bishop of Ossory, to whom you should rather feel bound to render a strict account for the injury done to him. I enclose a recent papal document on the subject of priests suing bishops in the civil courts, so that you may learn the grievousness of your crime and what you must do to make atonement to God and men. It appears to Father O'Keefe that they are all against him, from Bishop Walsh. I... Bishop Walsh, wish to reiterate that no consideration will induce me to consent to the establishment of nuns in Callan at present. His curates are against him. And above all, Cardinal Cullen is against him. As the bishop does not wish you to bring nuns to Callan, I think you ought to abandon the project altogether. If you cannot obey your bishop, then you should resign your parish. And now Rome is against him. He is getting no support from the powers that be. And he still doesn't stop. Go the nuns back away at this point, And they're no more part of the story. But now he's stuck with his house. He's taken a lease on. He's spent at least some of their money on it. 
They want their money back. They're saying, you know, we sent you this for a purpose and you didn't deliver, pay up. He can't or won't. And he's getting desperate and his reputation has been traduced. He's been embarrassed. I think that's a big issue for him because he's boasted in so many places that he's going to get the Cardinal to intervene. He's going to get Rome to intervene and they don't is he's left looking a fool in his own mind, I think, and in front of his people here in Callan. And with, with the tensions that are already developing in the town, I suspect that's a huge driver. It's pride. All these complex feelings are channeled into proving he has been unjustly treated. And so Father Robert O'Keefe is set to put his faith in the law courts. All rise! Tune in to part two to hear the second instalment of this story. The Skinny on the Schism was presented and produced by Monica Hayes with special thanks to expert contributor Dr. Colin Barr, acting by Patrick Griffin, Des Manhan, Donald Cadigan, Jer Cody and Owen Carey. It was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee.